we're also talking some NBA with the season having just wrapped up, what the Warriors accomplished, and the NBA draft just a couple days away. And a major deal came down. I know it's not official yet, but there's enough people out there that are in the know that are saying this is but a done deal. The only thing that's not official yet is the announcement. The Celtics trading down from number one to three. Sixers jumping up and the Sixers, uh, the Celtics getting a future first-round pick in exchange. Uh, Here to give us some insight to not only that deal, but the entire NBA draft. He's as good as it gets when it comes to giving you back info, scouting reports, inside information, and projection on what teams are going to do. His website, DraftExpress.com, is a must for all NBA fans leading up to the draft. He's good enough to give us a couple of minutes of his time today. Jonathan Gavoni joins us here on CBS Sports Radio. Busy week ahead, huh, Jonathan? Busy week. It's going to be a lot of fun. This is one of the better drafts that I've covered in my 14 years doing this, and I'm very, very excited about the next couple of days. All right. Explain one of the better drafts you've seen since you've been doing this. Well, there's just a lot of depth throughout the draft, and there's star power at the top. And there's a lot of intrigue, too. I mean, this trade that is about to go down, Boston and Philly, I mean, that's that's huge. Those are two major franchises. We have the Lakers at two. I mean, there's a lot. It's just a lot of ingredients for uh, a very interesting night. We have the you know some of the new elements of this new CBA kicking in with, with the two-way contracts. And it's a very, very young draft. Or, you know, I mean, almost the entirety of the top 20 are going to be one-and-done teenagers, and so there's going to be a lot of uncertainty, too. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of movement, I feel, a lot of trades, um, some players moving up, surprisingly, some guys falling, and so I think there's going to be a lot of drama. It's going to be a lot of fun. Jonathan Gavoni, Draft Express, our guest on CBS Sports Radio. All right, uh, let's break down the trade, Sixers and Celtics. I said already this hour, I think it's a win-win. If you're a Celtic fan, I think you have to really like this deal because if you aren't going to take faults, if you're going to make your commitment to Isaiah Thomas, then you'd rather have a wing player than a strict guard, and there's a good chance Jackson's going to be there for you. So you get a free first-round pick and get the guy you might have taken at one anyway. If you're a Sixer fan, you got to love this deal because you get arguably the best player in the draft, and he fills a huge positional need for you. You have to be aggressive and move the two spots to lock this guy in. I think it's a win-win. How about you? Well, I love this trade for Philadelphia. There's no question about it. They they didn't have to give up that much. The fact that they were able to put the protections that they did on the Lakers 2018 draft pick where it only conveys to Boston if it's between two through five. I mean, that's an incredible, incredible feat that Brian Colangelo was able to achieve with that. And I'm shocked that Danny Ainge will be willing to trade down from number one where you have what many feel is one of the best talents to, to, to enter the NBA in a couple of years in Markel Fultz to number three where that's a huge downgrade. There's a lot of uncertainty there. I mean, if you needed a wing player, if you needed a guard, whatever you need, just take that guy at one. You could potentially just have traded number one for number three. I mean, and, and who does that? I mean, that, that that's amazing to me that – that, that they did that with, with such a narrow window and protection with the Lakers. Uh, and, and to do that so early, too, that's what makes no sense. If you're going to do that when you're on the clock on Thursday night, I get that. But to do that five days, four days before the draft, I, that, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. I love it for Philadelphia. 
I mean, amazing to get Markel Foltz in a 6-3 uniform with the talent they already have on the roster, compliments those guys really well. But for Boston, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. Oh, okay, yeah, you and I disagree on that. Um, let me uh, maybe paint your picture as to why uh, Boston wanted to do it now. And you tell me this. You talk to more NBA executives than I do. Uh, when in making a pick like this, you're evaluating a kid starting with high school slash AAU. And you have to start then because most of the most talented players, as you say, are one and dones. So if you're not getting the jump on them before they ever put on a college uniform, shame on you. So you're watching them before they ever get to college. Then you get to see that college season and or seasons if they stay two or three or four, more likely the the one and dones. Uh, and then you get the combine, which... It's more for second-rounders than first-rounders, so you don't glean a lot for first-round top guys and the like. And then there's the individual workouts. And a lot has been made of who's been in whose camp and what building and how they looked and the like and trying to ferret out information of who really did look good or didn't look good. It's a workout for 45 minutes against coaches and the like. How much stock do they really put into those individual workouts? Can it really move a guy up or down for just working out in their building and making a couple of jump shots or running through cones or anything like that? Uh, it really varies team by team, but for some teams it can have a, a huge impact because uh, quite a few NBA teams, the, the coaching staff, those are the decision makers. And, you know, those guys aren't out you know, at Portsmouth in April. They're not out. You know, at the Maui Invitational in November, True. and they're they're getting their NBA teams ready on a night on a nightly basis. And you know, we're seeing a trend in today's NBA where NBA owners are putting the, the power in the coaching staff's hands. And even on those teams where that doesn't exist, you're seeing quite a few teams where the coaching staffs are the ones that really their voice gets heard louder and louder as you get close to the draft. And, and, and they fall in, and the only place that they can see these guys live is in a workout. And so they fall in love with guys. And also, I mean, you know, your memory can play tricks on you sometimes. You know, I mean, that the NCAA tournament at this point, I mean, November at this point, is a distant memory. It feels like 25 years ago for me, honestly. So does anybody, re, you know, are you really remembering, you know, how Markel Fultz looked and by the way, he didn't look that great, you know, so um, and he looked great, but his team didn't. He lost a lot of games. And so that, you know, so I, I understand, you know, why these workouts can play tricks on people's minds. And that's, you know, how you see guys like, you know, Yorgos Papayanis. All of a sudden, you know, he was in the 50s on my draft board most of the year. He all of a sudden goes in the lottery. You know, the Sacramento Kings took him. And so, you know, those things happen if you if you don't do like what you said, which is go out and watch these guys in high school and AAU. I mean, but you have to remember, Jody, that the collective bargaining agreement bars the NBA teams from being in high school gyms. And so they have very limited access to these kids before they enter college. They can see them in USA basketball events. They can see them a little bit at the McDonald's All-American game, you know, all-star settings like that. But other than that, they're very, very restricted. And so you have to put a lot of weight into that college season. And that's not a very big sample size, especially for a guy like Markel Fulton. He played 25 games. So that's a big decision to make. I mean, for the next eight, nine years, you're going to have the rights to have this guy's, um, you know, contract to make that on 25 games. 
We're talking to Jonathan Gavoni of Draft Express. All right, Sixers move up. They're going to take Fultz number one. Had him in for the workout. Everything seemed to go well. Uh, I think it's a foregone conclusion. From what everything I've read and the people that I talk to and the people that know, it seems like the Celtics really do like Josh Jackson. Uh, and that they may have taken him number one if they didn't, uh, if the Sixers had held firm and said uh, they would only give up a second-round pick or second-round picks to move up those two slots, and the deal just wasn't good enough for Boston to be able to do it, uh, they would have had to pick someone at one. I was told that they probably would have taken Jackson. They're hoping to get him at three. Because you, me, and everybody else in the world has thought all along that uh, LeVar Ball had it right, that his son's going to be a Laker. He worked out twice with the Lakers, not always glowing praise thereafter that leaked out as far as information goes. What are the Lakers going to do it to? Are they going to stick it to the Celtics and take Jackson? If that's the case, Ball doesn't make sense to the Celtics. How much could Lonzo Ball fall? Lonzo Ball is not falling anywhere. He's going to be the number two pick in the draft. That's all but cemented in stone right now. You have to be really careful about who you listen to. I mean, there's a lot of people that kind of pop up in June. They're draft experts, you know, and then tomorrow they're going to be NHL draft experts. The next day they're going to be baseball experts, you know. So <laughs> you have to be really, really careful about where you get your information from this time of year. Lonzo Ball is going to be the number two pick in the draft. His workout was not bad at all, according to people I spoke with that were in the gym and that I trust. Um, and it doesn't matter anyway. He's not a one-on-zero guy. He's absolutely the the last guy you would want to evaluate in that type of setting because what Lonzo Ball does is make the game easier for his teammates. I right. mean, he's, he's an incredible passer. He's got an amazing vision. His knack, his instincts for the game are off the charts. And so to put him in a one-on-zero and have him work out against cones and try to, you know, he's just he's going to look bad because he plays at his own speed, and that speed by himself looks really slow in the gym. So I think uh, the real intrigue starts for me at three. I don't think the Celtics would have taken Josh Jackson at one had they stayed there. I think there's absolutely no chance of that, actually. They would have taken Fultz. Uh, and, and the question is, do they take Tatum or do they take Josh Jackson at three? I mean, there's a real debate among NBA teams. I've spoken to a number of general managers that are drafting the lottery. These are the people that have to know what's going to happen at three. And they're clueless right now. They Half of them say Tatum. Half of them say Jackson. And, you know, I mean, Danny Ainge is going to keep people guessing the way he did last year. You know, the same people that were saying that Josh Jackson is going to be the number one pick in the draft this year, you know, they, they said that Chris Dunn was going to get drafted by Boston last year, you know, and then, you know, lo and behold, it was Jalen Brown. So uh, Danny Ainge doesn't reveal his cards and that easily. And so you kind of have to go off his track record a little bit. You have to look at what, you know, what they were saying during the season, what they were looking at. And um, I think Tatum is a Danny Ainge type of guy a lot more than Josh Jackson is. Fair enough. Uh, Does Phoenix take whichever one of those two is left? Most likely, but, you know, there's an interesting dynamic that's coming into play here. We talk about coaching staffs. Jonathan Isaac went into Phoenix and had a phenomenal workout. And now there's some talk that Jonathan Isaac might be a guy that they're going to already look at at number four as well. It's not a crazy notion because this has kind of become like a six-player draft at this point. I mean, we know who are the top six guys are going to be in some order. And Jonathan Isaac is, is, is in that group. So it wouldn't be a crazy thing to take the sixth best guy at number four, especially if he fills a need. Um, but it, it, there, there are some scenarios there where Orlando could be there sitting there at six and they end up 
you know, maybe with a Josh Jackson, maybe with a Jason Tatum, worst case scenario with a De'Aaron Fox, and they're sitting pretty right now in Orlando. They're going to get a very good player at, at number six. And who are the Knicks going to get at eight? That's a key pick for that organization. That's a great question. I, I hear that there's a lot of, um, you know, uh, uh, disagreement in that in that front office right now. I mean, which direction they go? Do they adhere to the principles of the triangle and, and they try to take the, the guy who's the best fit for that offense, which, you know, may be Frank Nilakina, the 6'5 French point guard who, um, you know, just came off uh, competing in the, in the French uh, playoffs. His team made the finals, so he hasn't worked out for anybody. He's on his way over to the States now, finally, but there's, there's some question marks about how much he's going to be able to accomplish. Does he even want to go to New York? Is he the right fit? Is he ready for that? He's a little bit of a shy and passive player at times, and, you know, you throw him into Madison Square Garden, make him a starting point guard of the Knicks as a rookie, is that the right thing for him? And, you know, the other point guards that are in that mix, you know, Dennis Smith, and then you have a combo guard like Malik Monk, those aren't classic triangle players, and they're not classic Phil Jackson guys. So it's going to be a really interesting, you know, part of this draft is to see who they end up picking at eight. There's some talk about Luke Kennard there potentially. Um, you know, is that a reach at eight? Uh, he's been moving up the board very steadily. He might be the best shooter in this draft. So it's going to be fascinating. Should be, and it's all on Thursday night over in Brooklyn. All right, two more quickies before we let you run. Um, who's this year's Draymond Green? And what I mean by that, a guy who goes in the second round but plays not only like a first-rounder but an all-star first-rounder. Right, I'm not ready to go Hall of Fame yet with Draymond, but he may get there someday. Um, you know what I'm driving at here. Who's the guy who's going to drop into the second that five years from now we're going to be saying, damn, that was a great draft pick. How'd those other teams pass on him? Jody, if I knew that with any type of certainty, I wouldn't have that guy in my second round right now. I'd probably have him in my top ten, and I'd be jumping up and down, you know, yelling, you know, at the top of my lungs that this guy should be a top ten pick. Why is he going in the second round? So, I mean, you have to give all the credit in the world to Draymond Green, but you also have to give credit to the Golden State Warriors. I mean, I'm not convinced that if you put Draymond Green on the Sacramento Kings or Another one of these functional, these dysfunctional organizations. They don't try to make him into a two guard or something crazy like that, and you know because he's only six six. And then you know things don't work out. He bounces around. I mean, there. This is a story that we've seen at times. You know, so a lot of the times when guys pan out, it's because they're in the right place at the right time, and they're the right player and the right fit for that organization. So you know, there's a lot of things that need to come into place for that to happen. And it's just, it's really, really hard to, to tell right. that right now. So I'm gonna, it, I'm, I'm, all right, fine. I'll give you the pass on that. We'll have you on uh, either next weekend or the weekend after. After you see where a second rounder lands and you think he's that perfect fit, I'm asking you to do it in advance and you don't know what team he's going to join. So I'll give you a pass on that one for two weeks. Good answer. Uh, one more. I, I just took a quick peek at your 2018 mock draft uh, because, as you mentioned, the Sixers have certain protections to that first pick, one of which is if it's number one overall, the Laker pick, they get to keep it. If not, if it's two, three, four, five, they got to give it to Celtics. If not, if it's higher than that, they get to keep it. Uh, there's a chance we're going to see a Euro come off the board number one next year? Oh, absolutely. There's a Slovenian kid named Luka Doncic who's playing at Real Madrid. 
he's someone of a phenom. He, he joined Real Madrid when he was 12 years old. Everybody thought it was a joke. They paid a ton of money for a 12-year-old. Even I was laughing about it at the time on Twitter. I said, what have we come to where people are buying 12-year-olds? And lo and behold, they knew exactly what they were doing. This kid, he grew up in their farm system, and he developed into one of the best players in Europe. As a 17-year-old, he was doing things in the EuroLeague that we had never seen. He averaged almost a triple-double on a per-40-minute basis. He's 6'8". He plays 1, 2, and 3. He's a tremendous passer, shooter, ball handler. He brings the ball up the court. I mean, he's doing it against 30-year-olds in the EuroLeague. I mean, this, his, he took his team to the, to the EuroLeague Final Four, which was amazing. And, I mean, this is something that we just, we've never really seen an 18-, 17-year-old do at this age. And so it'll be interesting to see how he follows up this season, how much more room he has to grow into, how much, uh, you know, how much upside does he still have? Does he have another gear left in him? Is there other things he can continue to work on? You know, his body is somewhat mature for, you know, for an 18-year-old. Um, you know, is he, is he going to be able to handle the pressure of, you know, doing this for a full season? It's a 75-game season. Uh, so, um, I mean, he, he's definitely in the running for number one. Michael Porter, who's going to Missouri, that's another interesting one. I mean, he's a 6'10", small forward, very athletic, extremely skilled, great shooter, um, he's a very, very aggressive scorer. He's going to be in the mix for number one, too. And there's a couple of big guys like DeAndre Ayton uh, from, from the Bahamas, who's going to Arizona. Uh, he's extremely interesting. Mohamed Bamba, who's going to Texas, 7'8", um, wingspan, um, tremendous shot blocker. It's going to be it's going to be a good draft 2018 and I mean we'll see you know where the Lakers fall. I mean are they going to get better because I mean the sense is they have to get better and then you know the Sixers got to keep that pick if they do and and then we were going to be you know right here on your show talking about this once more. Now did I miss uh, LaMelo Ball on your uh, 2018 uh, mock draft is uh, we're going to have to put up with LeVar again next year when son number two goes one and done out of UCLA? I don't think so. I mean, are you talking about uh, about Leangelo? Leangelo, uh, Leangelo yeah, LaMelo? LaMelo is a couple of years away. Okay, my bad. I got the ball, um, I got the ball boys Leangelo. mixed up. My bad. Yeah, Leangelo is, is 18. He's going, he's going to be a freshman at UCLA next year. He wasn't considered a top 100, top 100, top 150 recruit, as opposed to Lonzo Ball, who was considered a top five guy going into into last year. Uh, so, I mean, Leangelo, you know, on, on my, my most accounts was a, a mid-major, you know, high-major minus type recruit. He's in all likelihood going to be a four-year player at UCLA. Well, not according to his father, but we shall see. Jonathan, always great stuff whenever you come on board. Know how busy you are leading up to the week. We will call you. We'll give you next weekend off, the weekend after, and you're going to have to answer the question, who's that perfect fit second-round guy that can do what Draymond did? We'll get your whole read on the draft down the road. Uh, Enjoy the week, and thanks for a couple minutes today. Thanks for having me, Jody. Anytime.